What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? With your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a friend of mine from Clubhouse. I've been saying that again often because (laughs) I have met so many people on there. And if you are intentional and you know what you're doing, you have a mission, it's really easy to meet great people. And I I have one of those great people on here today, Tamara Andress. She's a top thought leader in spiritual entrepreneurship, a speaker and two-time bestselling author. She's the founder of FIT or FIT and basically stands for Faith Media Company, I guess. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Faith in, what's the FIT? FIT stands for Founders, Innovators, and Trailblazers. Okay. There we go. Because that wasn't here. And I want to make sure that's all it said. So Founders, Innovators, and Trailblazers in Faith Media Company and an ordained minister on a mission to activate purpose-driven leaders personally and professionally with their broadcasted messages and businesses through publishing, podcasting, and play. She's got a podcast which is the Fit and Faith podcast, globally ranked in the top 1% of the spiritual, religious, and business charts. There were 200 interviews of founders, innovators, and trailblazers. And her most treasured role was wife and mama, and will surely never leave her presence without an added measure of joy. Tamara, thank you for so much for being here and welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love it so much. And I, I was actually like divulging in all of your other shows uh, earlier the week, and I was excited to be on. I'm like, man, we have so many friends in common. So... It's really good. A clubhouse really has been a cool agent and tool to be able to continue to network, but I think more so importantly, really establish relationships that are global. It's such a cool space. Yeah. You know, it's funny about that is I decided to get known globally about three years ago. I just was like in this small little world and like Ocean City, Maryland, and I'm trying to like get real estate business from local realtors. And then I started thinking like, man, I'm thinking too small. Maybe just get known in a state. I should be known in a state. And then I'm like, nah, how about the region? Nah, I mean, if I'm going to do that, then I might as well go over the country. Then I just kept going. And I said, it's like Forrest Gump when he started running. Yeah. I just kept going and I figured I might as well. <laughs> so then I started thinking global. And then all of a sudden they're talking about these aliens in Congress. So I'm like, well, if I just get known by all life forms and impact the whole, the whole <laughs> universe. Good. So that's yeah, yeah. Good. So it's funny you said that. But before I get well, off track. Well, it's interesting because oh, I ahead, started that. I started that way too. And I think a lot of people do. And it, it's that element of that's really all we're really exposed to. Like when we're little, I think even for myself as a mom, I'm thinking of like keeping my kiddos in this bubble, though I like to expand their knowledge to the world. I still am trying to protect them. And so when we go out to start as any sort of entrepreneur would, we're really just thinking of the people we're connected with. It's like that network idea rather than the dream 100 or the big vision idea. So it's, I think it's going to really speak into to the rest of the show based on our my journey and yours connected. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, let's let's get back to uh, on track here because I got off track. That's my fault. We start the show every time with this question right here, Tamara. What are you made of? I am made of joyful vision. Joy is something that exudes from me, but it was something I had a really hard time attaining because I didn't even know myself for a long time. 
And so when I show up in any place, whether it's a podcast or it's in a room or digitally, I, I want people to experience that first. And because it's not often found, I think, especially in the social media realm, we can get dilution and we can get diluted at the same time. And so really coming joyful and then with vision, right? I think it's not about while today's presence is important, that vision casting element is really where I love to play. It's that imagination land, it's that dreamland, and we're called to have childlike faith. And so for me, it's really staying in that space while also learning to activate in the moment. Love it, man. Good answer. It's one of the best I've heard. Definitely one of the best I've heard. So take us back, like growing up, first of all, like, did you grow up in a faith-based house? You know, what was it like as a kid? Where'd you grow up? And yeah. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in Virginia beach and it was definitely a healthy home in the terms of it. I think if we were to quote unquote, any healthy, right. What does that mean? And um, my family was faith believing, like they believed in God and, and we said our nightly prayers, but it was more, it became redundant and we didn't go to church frequently. It wasn't until like middle and high school that I was really exposed to the element of relationship with God, but it wasn't until a crash and burn later in my life, which we can get to, that I really understood and and premised my life on faith. And so I'm so grateful for my parents. They really taught me the fit side of my faith because they were uh, marathoners, the original like Gold's Gym rats on the West Coast. My dad was in the military for 21 years. And so he um, is a veteran now and also was like the drill sergeant. He was the one who was like, putting them back in line and, and really keeping the young guys in line. So I love that. And I was also a gymnast for 16 years. And so fitness has just been a part of who I am. We've always had a healthy home when it comes to the way we eat as well. And so when I first stepped into even podcasting, fit was really this understanding of just physicality. But I found out physicality uh, was also really connected to sexuality. And it was really the only element that I had ever explored. I had never explored mental health. I had never explored emotional health, not even relational well-being, and surely not spirituality in the sense that I know it now. And so it's been an evolution of becoming, um, and I'm really grateful that I hit that rock foundation or rock bottom, as many people like to call it, when I did, and I didn't have to do it as like a midlife crisis. I got to do it as a quarter-life crisis instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, right? We don't know. We don't know yeah. where we're going, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. I get, you. I get you. So yeah, all right. So let's go into that then. So yeah. first of all, you know, like this, I, I just go deeper with what you just said. Like those. Yeah. yeah. So am I? I was just perfection driven. I was striving. I was achievement driven. I'm an Enneagram three, so that's just kind of an element of who we are. If you know anything about the Enneagram, and no, I don't. I, what, what, what is oh. that? Oh, okay. So it's a personality test. Oh my gosh, okay. you would love it, C Rock. So. It's um, nine different genres of personality, but unlike like a Myers-Briggs or a strength finders test where it's just dissecting you from one element, it actually gives you an understanding of who you are in your healthiest version, all the way to who you are in your least healthiest version, how you correlate and interact with other people, how you can make money based on who you are. And it's a really beautiful element of exploration if you are looking to grow your emotional intelligence. Gotcha. All right. I'll have to get the link or something for you. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's really rad. So in in that exploration, Enneagram 3, I would be super curious now to find out who you are in in conjunction with that. I would probably, I'm not allowed to guess. You're not supposed to guess people's that I have in my brain. So you tell me. 
So anyway, um, I, I was an entrepreneur. I went to business school and my, I got bit by that bug when I was little. My mom was an entrepreneur of several different companies, mainly one in my home. So I just saw her experience, you know, freedom of time, freedom of money, though finances were still always a struggle. And I knew I had that big vision, right? And I always had that element of, of lighting up a room. So joy vision, what are you made of is something I've always had, but I was really living with this masked idea of happiness through my 20s. I had started about seven different companies in my 20s. And at the peak of that, I was 29, married, had a one and two-year-old. I had a global company associated to a nursing bra that I had redesigned for Australian market, a brick and mortar online boutique and um, local store here in Virginia Beach. And I was working, as you can imagine, about 70, 80 hours a week. I was in that hustle hard and was completely destroying anything that was happening at home. Though I still considered myself a good enough mom, I carried guilt and shame every time I was at work. I wasn't really present in my marriage at all. I began stepping out of my marriage and not just doing it in my mind, but doing it in my flesh as well. And it completely destroyed everything that I thought that I wanted. And the moment that I knew that I wanted to change was the moment my husband started calling out in me what an integral woman I was. He kept calling me integral. And it was pissing me off, to be honest. I was like, why do you keep saying that? And simultaneous to that, it's who I wanted to be. And there was this conflict. And so I had a choice in that. And it was either be the tombstone person that I wanted to be, which is, you know, child of God, wife, mom, or quote unquote, a lonely entrepreneur. And I didn't want to be that. And so I got really invested in that mental side. I went to therapy for the first time in my life. We did collectively and we fought for our marriage. And uh, during that time, I found out within three sessions that I had been sexually abused. And I say found out, like that's something you would think you would know, but it occurred when I was really little and I had utilized suppression tactics, part of it being achievement and perfectionism to um, just cover that up. And so it was a wave of recovery. And I'm so grateful that the therapist we chose had background in it without even knowing. And yeah. so by the grace of God, we are still married. We're about to celebrate our 10 year awesome. anniversary. And um, now in the six years since then, I've really just really dived into spirituality and mental health. And how does that play into my natural gift and tendency, which is in business and growing other businesses? Awesome. I love that. First of all, I, I root for people. You know, I root for marriages and you know, it's uh, it's a it's definitely something that's under attack in this country. Yeah. Um, and when I'm you know when I'm thinking about these things, I think about structure and function. Those two words. And you, if you don't have the structure, something will not function. Yeah. And marriage is a structure that is designed for reproduction and for things to function properly on this planet. I don't understand why that makes us like when I think that way, it's like logical. It's not like emotion. I'm not thinking about this through emotion or yeah. religion even. Yeah. And it makes it makes some some people like think that I'm a bad person or the people that think this way is a bad person for thinking logically and engineering wise, even yeah. that if your structure is lacking, you will not function effectively. Yeah. And so, but I, I root for marriages. I love the fact that you guys worked on it and just didn't like run or end it. And Look, I've just passed 19, 19 years on the 31st, which was what, two days ago? 
Congrats. So, yes. and, and look, we've had our ups and downs and I haven't been perfect and she hasn't been perfect and I don't expect her to be perfect. I expect myself, no, I don't expect myself. But I get it. Yeah, no, I, I just, I love that you did that and you worked on that. Now, a lot of people go through that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people are listening, the women, the men even, but for different reasons, it's a different mentality for, for each, but like, yeah. talk about that. Like when you decided that you went that route, like yeah. the lack of fulfillment, but there's probably some instantaneous fulfillment. Like, and this is not just in this topic, this is anything in life when there's something sure. that you get quick gratification from, it never really is good for you. No. Right. But can you speak to like what you went through with that in, in your mind frame? Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked out loud. I think it's something I've processed for sure because I wanted to know like why if I had what was seemingly the American dream, right? That that white picket fence, we were the youngest in the neighborhood. We were both entrepreneurs. We had a boy first, a girl second. Everything was perfect. And that word had been blanketed over my life since I was little. And it was so much pressure that I had nowhere to go but to exist in the dark because the light felt so hard. And the dark is a place where there feels like there's freedom, but simultaneous to that, there is void. And so it was actually started when I was in middle school all the way through high school where I was just looking for affirmation in all the wrong areas. We talk about living in a society of, of fatherless homes, right? And though my dad was really present, he was all often gone. He often would only give me affirmation in reflection of my beauty. And I didn't understand. I lived in the MTV world. I lived in the tabloid world where everyone was only great or perfect if their body and their physicality was that. And so my mind towards it was that I was post babies. I was post um, living in a marriage where I wasn't feeling fulfillment because there's so much separation when you have little ones, you don't feel beautiful and you're struggling with, am I even worthy? Am I worth it? And we just had separation. And so you start to get those commentary. This happens so often. And the wild thing is, is there's other parts to our story, right? There's my husband's side to the story on what was transpiring at that season for him and the pressures of being a provider and the pressures of you know, holding all this space for me and for him as we were exploring. And it, I think more so than anything, the answer to that question is looking for identity, looking for love. Who am I? And I didn't know. And like I said, briefly, I felt like I was wearing a mask for a majority of my life. And it was one of those masks, like the mask when you, Jim Carrey got it. It was mm-hmm. so ingrained in him that at some point he couldn't take it off. And I didn't know what was light and what was dark other than the fact that you would get that adrenaline high. And so when I talked to play being a huge component of who mm-hmm. I am now, and I talked to joy being a huge component to who I am now and how we exist as a company and how we exist in our marriage and as a mom and all these elements, that adrenaline I think is critical. I think there's something to it, but I think that there's the healthy side to adrenaline and the fear-based side and the evil, honestly, evil side that can yeah. create bondage in so many elements. And so when I speak even to that of addiction, people would say or premise that as sex addiction, but there's so many other things. There's alcohol suppression, which is addiction, drug addiction, which is also generally a suppression or something that makes you 
adrenaline rush, right? Yep. Yep. And Gambling. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many shopping, yep. right? You get yep. that high and then you're like, oh, buyer's remorse, right? Yep. And so this is normal. This is literally a normalized thing where people find it to be humorous, even that we suppress with these different tactics, food inclusive. And it, I want to unnormalize it. And I also want to obliterate shame associated to it yeah, because yeah. it keeps us being in the dark makes us feel like we're the only ones there. And the more that I've been able to be confident and shame free about how we exist now and who we are, ultimately, it's the knowing that like we all have the same element of desire to be seen, known and loved. And yep. that's anyone. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Yep. Yep. Now, how does it happen where you're in therapy and you didn't remember this? Yeah. And how does it come out? And then how so do you this is interesting. Like, that, it, that it's real? You know, yeah, a hundred percent. So three, three sessions in, she asked me if I've ever been abused. And I was like, no, no, not, no. I just literally was like, definitely not. And you know, you're in this with your spouse at the time who you think knows everything about you and you think, you know, everything about yourself. And as a young 20 year old or mid 21 year, 20 year old, you're like, I've got the world by storm, right? We, mm -hmm. we have no I had no sense of humility at that point. And I was just living in ego. And so she said, I want you to read this book. And the book is called No Stones. And it, within three chapters, had me face forward on the ground, knees down, bawling, waves of memories just completely opening up. It's almost like a component of like EMDR, but the opposite side where wow. you're trying to rid yourself of trauma. This yeah. was an opportunity for me to re-see, re-see the little girl's inner child run, work, run which you probably yeah. heard about. And this was, it was the like light bulbs going off on, this is why, this is why you've struggled. This is why you've sought this attention. It had nothing to do with my dad, but everything to do with what I was blame casting, right? And so it's just a wild scenario to feel like you don't know this person. And I had to go back through therapy and essentially reparent that broken person in order for me to exist today. And so you were confident that it was real because the memories came and it was like, yeah. Oh like, yeah, no yeah. questions asked. And the, the sad and hard and heavy part about the story, because you could, you could envision being that little, I was about two and a half, three years old. I know exactly where I was when it started. And I know every time that it occurred afterwards, was it was with a child who was mentally handicapped. And so yeah. he was the size of a man. He was 13 years old and he was constantly suppressing my voice. And it just, it feels shameful even to think about that being something that could happen to you and something that you would partake in. But there was also that adrenaline aspect. But I remember feeling that I couldn't share that information because one, I was being told to be quiet and two, what yeah. shame would come on me knowing that he's he's handicapped and then you see you also see from like a point of view where you see this little kid and you're like oh my goodness like you, you just like oh man yeah so oh well man, and the I, wild I, thing about that and i had no idea this conversation was going to go this way but i'm glad that it is yeah is it always knowing, happens on the show it's crazy yeah, i don't know I why, had but... these, 
Yeah, I mean, but it's good. You're, you have a sense of um, open door access to vulnerability, which is really special. But he, I, I remember at that time having those babies of my own, and I've been very protective, obviously, over them since then, and the recognition of what all can transpire, and even the conversations of sexuality and saying no and learning about your body and not feeling shame about it. And it's been a really wild journey. And my husband has been incredible on it. Um, and I'm so grateful even to explore intimacy in an entirely new way, speaking to play, right? It's this mm -hmm. knowing that like, after you let down the guard, after you stop wearing the mask, going from what is this happy hustle culture to what is joy-filled freedom, there is an evolution to that. It doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen in a couple sessions. It was something where I really had to lay down that ego and understand that there was something more. There was a purpose to my life. There was a calling on my life. All of the good and the gifts and the talents connected to all the pain. And I think that's what a lot of people try to do when they come up with a good idea to run away from what was. And that's where suppression and addiction come into play because you're ignoring the problem. And eventually, it's all going to come to play. And so for me now, it's a huge passion to extract pain from people's lives in their testimonies and help them build a life and a business from that space so that they don't have to live in shame and they can serve the magnitudes of people who have walked through similar scenarios. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. And and then uh, two things. One, with the spouse, like thinking about for other people that are out there, the spouses, like what can you say to spouses that don't have that play anymore or don't feel mm -hmm. that fun or don't feel that like, that's one thing about like my wife and I, like we try to focus on that. We try to do things like we don't try, but I don't yes, know. Let's I say that that. <laughs> we, we do, but, but um, like, what's the first step for somebody to look into to, to fix yeah. that? Or if they realize it, cause you got to recognize it first. Right. And you got to yes. accept it, but. And, you know, having those exploratory conversations, like what is it that we're missing? What is, what are you wanting that I'm not giving and being okay with feeling like this is a constructive criticism. This is a building up, not a building down of. Yeah, but if we're important. evolving in every other area of life consistently, right? And we change genetically within every seven years. This is why the seven-year itch is a thing in and of itself. If you are one degree off from your spouse, eventually you're going to be so far away that you can't even see over the fence of what has been built between you. And right. so exploring together these conversations, like what are you into? What are you, what are you into now? versus what are you into before? What could we do that's fun, that is something we've never done before? Explore something new together and to communicate about it. But for us, another huge element to this, and it's not gonna be for everyone, but uh, three years ago, we decided to stop drinking. And this was a combination, not necessarily of our own storyline, but the history and ge generational history connected to that. And in that season, you know, having lights on sex with no, you know, nothing to hinder you is a wild thing. And it's something that's been really exploratory and adrenaline giving, right? You're like, ah, I'm so whoa, whoa, nervous. Most people shut the lights off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's too wrong. <laughs> I, I thought that was normal to keep the lights on. Now. <laughs> no. Uh, no, no, I get it. I get well, it. Well, I just but, find it really interesting of like, why is that? Even when you see mm -hmm. too, what is happening in the dark? What is happening in the light? And how can yeah, we exist yeah. in play in the light? And so it's been, it's been really fun, but communication is the biggest element and also exploration. 
Yeah. And then how does that carry over into the business world, entrepreneur world, not sex part, but the fun <laughs> play part, right? Like, yes. and, and, and being like, here's the thing, like part of this with relationships is people, the communication factor is not there. Yeah. And communication is the cause and solution for all problems. And so then when I'm talking about carrying this over in the business, like you talk openly with your spouse, no shame, no taking things personal, understanding that both of you have, long as you have that, that vision, like you talked about of what you guys want, same thing carried over to business. Like if there's business partners or there's employees and, and owners or founders or what have you, a lot of times they'll have an issue or they'll have a want to do something and they don't communicate it at all. They just hold back because there are many factors. So how does that carry over into that entrepreneurial world? Well, I think you briefly mentioned it earlier about the foundation piece, right? And foundation connected to strategy, connected to structure. And so foundation being open lines of communication is going to change the trajectory of all of those relationships. And so for me, it's about understanding the nucleus of who we are, that identity factor. I teach around this factor of being, then brand, and then business, and being, being your identity. Who are you when you're in the mirror? Are you actually even communicating with yourself, right? Because this is where all of those lies, all that addiction, all that suppression actually stems from. And then we're generally taking it to work, thinking that if we have a really successful business, if we have that achievement-driven, accolade-oriented, title-driven experience with other people, and we're winning, hashtag winning, we've got money coming in and all of that, then success is then going to breed into the being. It's going to breed into the identity. But what's going to happen is you're actually just going to have a big breakage. There's going to be something that's going to fall. And so you see this often when people get to the pinnacle point of a career, what would perceivingly be this abundance factor, and then something breaks. And that's why it always goes down to foundation. And so even outside of communicating with your team, communicating vision, it's like, do you actually spend time doing this for yourself? There's this book called um, The Road to Less Stupid. And it's a thinking time premise where you actually spend an hour at a time, not just journaling, but really processing and only answering one question at a time. And that process has changed my business in so many ways because we don't sit with things like that enough and we don't sit with ourselves enough. So vision then becomes this collective mission as a business and everyone's like, go, 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 go. Let's make this happen. We're achieving goals. We're seeing these things checked off and even potentially playing and celebrating along the way. But that's where that individualized void and that individualized disconnection happens and why people leave companies and they don't feel bought in anymore. And so creating play brings consistent buy-in, in my opinion. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm always searching for more ways for our team to do that. Well, I have several companies, but the, the mortgage business is where the most employees are. I love that. So as we're winding down here, I want to ask you a final question and then we'll get into what you have going on and how people can get involved with you and all that. But like, what's the vision for you for the future? Like, what do you have your sights set on? Like, what's the big thing you're, you're, you know, going after right now? Yeah, there's so many. I'm in actually a really awesome launch season right now. For me, I would say the forecast of five, 10 years, it really does come back to the nucleus of my family and us being able to go and spread the good news and speak around the world and be able to share that this is possible to obliterate shame and activate purpose is my ultimate mission. And we get to do that through podcasting. We get to do that through mission strips. We get to do that through conferences for entrepreneurs, but consistently making sure that there's a togetherness factor that I don't see exampled in a lot of families. 
And so um, entrepreneurship is our, is our lifeline to growth, but our bloodline is, is really the foundation of it all. Love it. All right. So what do you got going on recently or not recently, yeah. uh, coming up, coming up and, yeah. uh, and then how can people reach you? So we're launching an app. I'm really excited about that. It should be live. It's live actually currently right now. It's live uh, on Apple, not on Google, but it's coming soon for Android. And it's the app is really developed for business and personal growth. So personal and professional development. It's going to help you launch into what it is that God's calling you to do, but from a place of not just passion, also from a place of pain. And so that we can utilize those things and we can water them. Um, simultaneous to that, I've got the Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference that's happening in Nashville. I'm really excited about this because it's a collection of people who are authentically showing up shame-free, maybe still processing some of it, but they are really wanting to make a mission out of their ministry and out of their business. But yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. I have a lot of free resources so you can dive in and connect there. Also, if this is something that you're really dealing with on a heavy and it hit home in a way that maybe you haven't ever explored, I would love to just pray with you. So you are welcome to send me an Instagram message and I will happily send and spend some time just being present with you to help you get to a place of freedom because joy-filled vision is the way to live. And I'm grateful to be able to share it with you guys today. Love it. What's the Instagram handle? It's Tamra, T-A-M-R-A. I got the boring Price is Right version the week before I was born. Tamara.andress. All right. Tamara.andress on Instagram. Go check her out, guys. And if you've liked today's episode, let her know you heard her here. It's another unstoppable guest with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock on What Are You Made Of podcast. Guys, go subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. If you like to watch these, you can go to YouTube and watch these. And that's Mike C-Rock on the YouTube. And until next time, be Later. unstoppable. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, Mike crock.com forward slash book that's mike croc.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy thank you so much for your support and your listenership it means the world to me